We've been looking at the attributes and character of God in, uh, in this a brief series of messages that I've been bringing from time to time as I come here. And today we're looking at Proverbs chapter 8, especially the wisdom of God. Now we live in an age of great knowledge, what they call a knowledge explosion. I remember when I was in college, they talked about the knowledge explosion. And in those days, it was the printed materials. Now, whatever job or profession you might enter into, every year there were published hundreds of journal articles in your field that you were supposed to be aware of and read to keep up to date in your field. Even those who worked in the mechanical trades had a lot of literature thrown at them all the time, uh, details about every single aspect of that particular work. And it's just impossible to keep up with all those things, impossible to read them. It's just overwhelming, and most people don't even try. But uh, you go to a library, especially if it's a good specialized library, and you'll see shelves and shelves of literature on that subject. And they call that the knowledge explosion. Well, then somebody, I think it was Al Gore, invented the Internet. And uh, you can laugh. That's all right. Uh, But uh, uh, when the Internet came along, all of a sudden, this knowledge explosion uh, exploded again. Uh, now not only can you go to libraries or get journals in the mail, now you can just click your computer and thousands of pages of information. Of course, we all know that the problem with the Internet is the information is there. We just don't know if it's real information or, or not. Uh, they don't tell you that. Well, I guess they do tell you. They tell you it's real. But you sort of have to take it from there. But... It's, again, impossible to keep up with this knowledge explosion. And now, recently, we had a faculty meeting at the seminary, and one of the professors said, you know, I used to assign research papers, but I think I'm going to have to cut back on assigning research papers because there's this artificial intelligence uh, that enables people to write term papers just by clicking a few buttons on their computer, and it will actually write the paper for you. And it won't be copying other papers. It'll be making up stuff, just using rules of grammar and terminology and so on. And it's gotten to the point where if you assign a a paper, you don't know if the student wrote it or if it was written by open AI. You don't know unless you're really good at figuring these things out. So knowledge has become so common. It's like the air. The problem is, it's out there, but it's not in people's minds and hearts. They don't have this all categorized and figured out in their own minds. It's just there in front of you. Well, when the Bible talks about knowledge or wisdom, it's talking about a characteristic of of God. And we, as God's creatures, especially as made in the image of God, we, to some extent, share the ability to have wisdom and knowledge. Not to the extent that God does, obviously, but to some extent. We actually can know things, and we can actually exercise wisdom. You'll notice in the passage that we read this morning in Proverbs chapter 8 that we are told that we should seek wisdom. The 
Wisdom is pictured there as calling out to us. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I call you to follow me. Learn of me. Be like I am. Be wise. And this is, of course, the whole book of Proverbs telling us to be wise and not to be foolish. So wisdom is a trait of God, but it's also something we should seek after ourselves. Now, I'd like to, first of all, begin by thinking about the wisdom of God. The Shorter Catechism, when it says, what is God? It responds, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. Next word. Wisdom. Yeah, being wisdom. So wisdom is an attribute of God. So when we think about the wisdom of God, we might wonder, well, what exactly is that? And most people like to divide it up into two different aspects. First of all, there is the knowledge that God has. And then secondly, the wisdom that he employs in using that knowledge. So first of all, let's think of the the knowledge of God, just an awareness, a knowledge of reality. God knows, the Bible says, God knows everything. Uh, There's a fancy word for that. What's the Latin word for knowing everything? Omniscient, right. God is omniscient. He knows everything. Now, uh, this includes all things that actually exist, and it even includes all things that might exist, If other things existed, just all possible knowledge God possesses already. He knows all things actual, all things possible. Now, if you ever look up in the theology books this subject of the knowledge of God, you'll find many pages uh, describing uh, Bible passages which teach this truth. And I've just written down a few Bible verses here on the back of my paper that teach this truth. Uh, Psalm 94, verse 9. He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? So God hears all, he sees all. Uh, Psalm 139, several verses, verses 1 and 2. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. And verse 12. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Proverbs 15, 11. Hell and destruction are before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of men. Even knows what's in our hearts. Ezekiel 11, verse 5. O house of Israel, I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Uh, Matthew 10, verse 30. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Uh, I had a preacher once who lost most of his hair. He took comfort in that verse that even those hairs that were left... Uh, We're known by the Lord. (laughs) Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. All things, Hebrews 4.13, all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. 
Well, if those verses don't convince you, there are many others we could quote. But you get the idea that God's knowledge is all-inclusive. It includes everything, physical things, spiritual things. All things are known by God, all things that are. Uh, you think about the past. <clears throat> I heard uh, somebody say it was easier to be a theology student in the 4th century than it is today because you didn't have to learn about all that stuff that happened between the 4th century and, and today. <laughs> and uh, that certainly might be true for church history. But all past events are known to God. He'd get 100% on any test you might give in history. As a matter of fact, he'd tell you lots of details that nobody didn't even know about. Things that no one else knows, God knows. How about what's going on today, the present? Yes, God knows all that happens and all that is happening. Everywhere around the world, God knows everything that's going on. And the future. Um, some of you may have uh, read uh, about the openness theology that says that God does not know what will happen in the future because it hasn't happened yet. There's nothing to know. And... Uh, they say, so God can be surprised when things happen that he didn't expect. Well, the Bible certainly doesn't give that picture of God. God knows everything that will happen. He declares the end from the beginning, something that no other God can do. He can predict the future. And the Bible says if somebody predicts the future wrongly, that person is not a prophet of God, because God knows what will happen in the future. All things are known by him, and he knows about us. In particular, the uh, passage we're looking at now emphasizes this aspect of God's knowledge, that God knows about us. He knows our sins, sins that we think, what we say, what we do, what, even if no one else knows about it, God knows. He knows those things. He knows our hearts. Uh, when we believe in the Lord, he knows if that belief is truly genuine or if we're just saying that we believe. He knows all about uh, our attitudes toward everybody else and our attitudes toward himself. He knows these things. He knows our faith. He knows what we need. Jesus said that God knows what you need before you do. And we pray, oh, God, I'm going to need this, this. I really need this. And God says, well, you, yeah, you do need that, but you need this a lot more. <laughs> and uh, you're not even asking about that. But uh, he'll meet that need. He knows our needs, physical needs, our, our spiritual needs. He, he knows our troubles. Uh, so often we, uh, we hear those old songs, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Uh, nobody knows but Jesus. Uh, Jesus knows our troubles and our concerns, our anxieties. Uh, God knows our good works. When we do what God commands, when we seek to obey him, when we sacrificially serve him, he knows that. He sees that. Even uh, persecuted Christians in dark dungeons in the world, no one else sees their suffering, but God does. He knows what they're going through. And he is there with them. God's knowledge is all-inclusive. And I think we can all agree with that. If we believe in God at all, uh, God must know all things. The other side that we'd like to look at is the side of wisdom. 
Wisdom is not just knowing everything that's happening and that's going on or that has or will go on, but rather wisdom is talking about what we do and why we do the things that we do and what those actions are are based on. So wisdom is knowing what we should be doing and how we should be going about doing it. And it's not just knowing theoretically these things, but it's actually then carrying them out, doing them. So a wise person knows what should be done and then proceeds to do, to follow that path, to do those things. A wise person knows what we should avoid and therefore avoids those things and lives in such a way so that those things can be avoided. So wisdom is something we all need in our lives every day. And God has all wisdom. He's called by the Apostle Paul the only wise God. God alone has this degree of wisdom. We see it in many ways. Uh, One might be in the creation of the world. And the Proverbs chapter 8 talks about the creation of the world in uh, several verses. For example, in verse 22, it says, The Lord possessed me, that's to say wisdom, at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up, that is wisdom, at the first before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, were the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above. When he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. Wisdom was there with God, being exercised by God in all of these acts of creation that are spoken of here in in a sort of a a figurative way. God laying out the foundations of the earth, God establishing uh, the sky, God forming the heavens, God setting the sea and its boundaries so that the land would be in one place and the sea in another, so that we could live uh, in this earth. All these things this passage talks about were done in wisdom. Uh, Several years ago at seminary, we had a guest speaker, Calvin Beisner, who's an expert in the area of the environment and a Christian approach to the environment. And uh, uh, he made excellent points, several excellent points, I thought, but one of them was that the earth even has systems within itself that correct itself. So if something gets out of kilter, other things move in and kind of bring it back in line again. And the earth has a sort of a sustaining system of, of forces in the environment and different systems that, that together keep a stable environment so that life can be possible 
here on the earth. And it's interesting to see uh, details about these different things in the earth that he pointed out, which uh, just demonstrate that God created this world in wisdom. Uh, you think about, of course, the human body and all of the wonderful ways that it heals itself when, when uh, sickness comes or injuries and when you have surgery, you know, your body kind of puts things back together again. Uh, I'm glad for that. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's marvelous how God sustains us in the way we're designed. It's a wonderful design. Even simple things like the way your blood clots is so complicated and, and so many things interplaying inter- together that scientists are amazed just how we can have our blood clot and still have blood flowing freely in our veins at the same time. And uh, it doesn't clot until we, it's supposed to. And uh, just little things like that. I say little things. Or if you've got that problem, it's a big thing. But uh, uh, God in his wisdom made us. And that's evident in the way he created us, in the way he created the world as a whole. And this points this out so well. We know that uh, in the book of Psalms 104, we have this passage. O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom, thou hast made them all. All that God does is done in wisdom. I remember when I was a boy, they showed the Moody Science Films. Did any of you ever see those Moody Science Films? When I was a kid, they used to play them. I was Lutheran, actually. Played them in the Lutheran church. And... Uh, uh, there was one on seed dispersal, but I still remember to this day and how seeds get dispersed and, and sown in the earth. Uh, and it's all these weird ways that seeds have of going from one place to another. Some just go, and then they kind of explode. Of course, some of them blow in the wind. Some of them have little hooks. They hook onto animals, and then they get carried away. Some seeds get eaten by birds, and then later on, when the birds do their business, uh, it's planted somewhere else. It's um, uh, all these different things that God has done just to see that the plants are preserved and the species grow and spread. So this is the wisdom of God uh, shown in these wonderful ways in the creation. The Bible also speaks about the wisdom of God and how he brings us to salvation in himself. And that whole plan is a demonstration of God's wisdom. Uh, For one thing, God knows we can't save ourselves. He knows that we need a Savior. Someone has to save us actively. And we're passive in that at first. Uh, We're not in a position to save ourselves or even to begin to save ourselves. God has to reach down and grab us and pull us up and give us that life uh, that will uh, be evident in faith and good works. So in this wisdom of God, he has sent Christ as our Savior. He sends the Holy Spirit to bring us redemption, or to, excuse me, to bring us uh, regeneration and sanctification, all these wonderful things. Uh, Paul concludes that wonderful passage in the book of Romans when he says, God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. So even in the existence of our spiritual life, even in the existence of our church, we see the wisdom of God revealed. So we thank God that he is wise, the only wise God. What he does is right. 
what he does is planned and purposed and it all fits and works together. And this is a comfort to us sometimes when things happen in our lives and we think something went wrong here. Uh, this is not according to plan. Well, that's often true. It's often not according to our plan. But it's so wonderful to know that God has a perfect plan, a wise plan. And uh, it may involve times in our life when we are unhappy or when we uh, see things going in a different direction than we like. But we know that God is over all these things and he has promised that those of us who know him, these things will work out for our good in the end. And we also know that they'll work out for his glory. So we uh, who believe in God's providence, I think, have a great, great blessing in life to know that all of our lives are in the hands of a loving God. And the things that happen to us are according to his purpose and are not meaningless empty sufferings that have no value. At the end of this passage, actually uh, throughout the passage, but especially at the end, we see that this wisdom isn't just talking about the wisdom of God, but it's also calling for you and for me that we are to be wise. Even as God is wise, we are to reflect that wisdom in our own wisdom. And so when we look at wisdom as far as we are concerned, we see that it is like the wisdom of God, but on a human level. And so let us notice a few things about this wisdom that we can have. Its nature is revealed in several places in this passage in Proverbs chapter 8 as being true and plain and righteous, the wisdom that we should have. Uh, For example, in the beginning of chapter 8, wisdom calls to us, and understanding calls to us, and it says in verse 4, To you, O men, I call, my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak of noble things. And from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All all the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. Look down at verse 12. I dwell with prudence. I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech, I hate. Then down to verse 20. I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice. These verses tell us that if we are to reflect the wisdom of God, then we are to love what is true. We are to love what is righteous and just according to God's commandments. We are to love prudence, that is, acting in such a way in our own best and others' best spiritual interests. We are to be wise, in other words, in life, in this life. Now, wisdom in this life is very valuable. I think even non-Christians recognize this in practical areas of life. I have a retirement fund, such as it is, 
And uh, I have, there's a lady that, that uh, advises me in what, where to put, you know, retirement fund, what sort of things to invest in. And, you know, I trust her judgment much more than my own. And uh, she, she's from Poland, actually. She hates communism. She fled, her family fled to America to get away from that. And now she's complaining that the same things are happening here that happened in Poland when she was there. But uh, she has real wisdom in terms of where to put your money and invest your money. You know, she's well, don't. I know that's gone up a lot, but don't don't buy it now. It's going to go down. You know, sure enough. It, you know. So advice like that, wisdom like that, you know, financial wisdom, I guess you might say, is valuable. And people actually, she gets pretty good money from a lot of people for uh, this wisdom or expertise. Certainly, if you have a car problem, uh, don't come to me. I'll give you comfort. I'll give you a cup of coffee while you think about it. But uh, I have no idea what's wrong with your car. And uh, my son-in-law, he thinks he has an idea what's wrong with your car, but a lot of times he'll make it worse. So there, there are some people that do, though. They do know. I had a mechanic once back when I was a, when I was a boy. He lived next door to our house. And uh, he could just hear the car driving in the driveway. He could tell you what was wrong with it and uh, fix it. It's amazing. You know, he just had that knowledge. And, that, and so if he says you need to buy this or you need to do that, and that would be good to follow his advice. That's practical wisdom. And people pay good money for that. You go to the doctor, same thing. Uh, I'm going to a physical therapist for my knee right now. And uh, he told me I shouldn't be doing all the stuff that my other trainer in the gym was telling me I ought to do. So I had a, I had a decision to make. Who do I follow? You know, do I follow this guy or do I follow them? I decided to follow the one that was easier, which was this guy. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, there, people have wisdom in their fields of, of knowledge and expertise. And we recognize that here in, the, in, the, in our lives daily. But how about God? God says he has all wisdom. And if we do what the book of Proverbs tells us to do, then our lives will be successful on the ultimate level. They'll be successful with God. When we stand before God, judgment, he'll say, well done. Uh, when we go through life, we will have God's blessing upon us in various ways. If you ignore God's warnings and proceed on your own, then you'll suffer consequences. And we see those daily. The other day I saw a video of downtown San Francisco. And it was so sad. Uh, uh, I remember when I was a kid, San Francisco was a glamorous place. People loved to go there. But this video just showed the main streets are almost all deserted. In the main town, town part of San Francisco, storms are boarded up. And people are wandering around on the sidewalk, and they're just sort of bent over, kind of like this. And they're just kind of walking like this. And uh, almost all of them, they said... Uh, it's a result of, of drug addiction. And uh, uh, they knew when they started this, it was dangerous, it was bad for you. But they did it anyway, and now this is the suffering. And this suffering comes upon them personally, but also the whole everybody else that lives there suffers as well. And many people have moved out because they just, uh, businesses have moved out. Uh, 
Many people suffer because people make unwise choices. Well, here we see God wants us to be wise and to follow the way of wisdom because this is the way God is. He follows wisdom in all that he does. We notice that wisdom has great value. Uh, Here in this passage in verse 10, Take my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all you may desire cannot compare with her. If you live a life of wisdom under God, you may not end up as a millionaire. You may not end up uh, having the best things of this life, but what you'll have will be better than silver and gold and jewels. You will have God's blessing. You will have peace with God. You will have his care over you. And he will meet your needs. We see this likewise in verse 18. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. My yield than choice, silver. I think there's a little chorus based on that verse, isn't there? Better than gold and much fine gold. So uh, that is true. Again, riches and honor are with me. And uh, the book of Proverbs tells us that. He says, in most cases, in, in the way of life, if you do follow the way of wisdom, you will have blessings, physical blessings, as well as spiritual blessings. But not necessarily always, because these things are all subject to God's sovereignty and his plan. But as a rule... Uh, you will succeed in this life. But that's not the point. The point here he's making is these things for all who follow wisdom are much better than silver and gold and jewels. Those things are of secondary importance. You'll have more power in verse 14. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule, and nobles, all who govern justly. Those who exercise wisdom rise to positions of authority and power as a rule. Again, uh, not always. There are exceptions, obviously. But as a general principle, in this life, this happens. But even those who are without worldly power still have the power and strength of their moral convictions, of their character, of the reputations and the respect of others. Uh, These are the natural results of a life of wisdom. And in the end, it's a good, good life. It's a good path to follow. Here in verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Verse 32, blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Those who don't love death. At the end of life, we can smile if we've lived according to wisdom. We know we're coming to a good end. And we're looking forward to seeing the Lord face to face. Many people have noticed that this passage, in many ways, reflects our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. When it says, I was with him at the beginning, 
Many people think about that verse in John. The Word was with God and the Word was God. That Jesus was the very expression of the logic of God. And here we see the wisdom of God that was put forth as the creation took place. And many have seen in this a picture of Jesus himself or of the Son of God being the agent by which God created the world and brings us salvation. There are many parallels between the wisdom of God and the Son of God. And we do know that Jesus is all-wise, don't we? Our all-wise save God, only wise, our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we think of our lack of wisdom, our need for wisdom, I believe we begin by thinking of Jesus Christ, that we need him, that he is our wisdom, he is our life. And what wisdom we can have, we have in him. And in him alone can wisdom be found. As we come to the Lord's table, in a few minutes, let us remember that our Lord Jesus Christ died and rose again for us to give us salvation. And this salvation includes the wisdom of God that he bestows upon us. And the image of God in us is made shining and bright and glorious as we are sanctified by the Spirit and grow in the wisdom and knowledge of God. The book of James tells us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all men without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Let us uh, pray for that wisdom of God. Let us pray.